Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. All right, welcome in. We are with you until midnight. You'll hear from the manager, Alex Cora, in just a little bit here as the Sox lose the opening game of this three-game set to Toronto, 7-2. So a lot on the table tonight. I do want to start with, and by the way, if you want to weigh in on Connor Siebold's outing, which was not particularly good, you certainly can. 617-779-7937, the number. The seven-game winning streak comes to an end. But the Red Sox do have an opportunity to win an eighth straight series. They'd have to win back-to-back games. And you have their ace, Manoa, going on Wednesday night. But you got Pavetta going on the mound, who's your ace. And tomorrow, Ross Stripling's had a pretty good season for this Toronto team, but he's not a great pitcher. I mean, he has not had a great career. He's having a good season. But you have Michael Walker going tomorrow. And if you look at the Red Sox on the season, they've won eight of his 11 starts. And the underbelly of this Toronto team was not really exposed tonight. You saw it a little bit there. In that ninth inning, their bullpen sucks. Their bullpen on the season has a 42.1% hard hit rate. That means balls off the bat, 95-plus miles an hour. That's the worst in the entire sport. So the Red Sox still have an opportunity to win this series. But the one thing that sticks out to me right now with this team is they've been so good for so long now. Like, we look at this team, they are a legitimate bona fide contender to get to the postseason if they don't get to the postseason at this point. It'd be a failure. But they have an opportunity to make a lot of noise when they get there and make another deep run. And I would argue right now, based on what the pitching looks like, rather, and what this lineup looks like, this team is better than it was a season ago. But the one thing that sticks out to me right now about this team, and a lot of these losses happened early on in the year when the Red Sox hadn't really clicked yet, but here's the Red Sox record in the division. 7-15. and That's a 318 winning percentage. They're, they've been outscored 98 to 76. That's a negative 22 run differential. So they have got to start winning some of these games in the division, especially when you're looking at a team like Toronto. And Toronto's a team that right now we all know is in the wild card race with you. The Red Sox still have a half game lead over Toronto when it comes to that particular situation. But the point being is you don't want to play there. You do not want to play there in the postseason. That place is going to be electric, not to mention the fact you, unlike a lot of other teams, will be dealing with this COVID situation unless something changes in Canada. Like the Yankees, their whole team is vaccinated. The Red Sox are dealing with, obviously, no Jaron Duran tonight. And I'm not saying the loss tonight is on any of these guys because you're not going to win that game tonight the way that Gosman was going. Gosman now on the season has 27 strikeouts and he's given up one earned run against the Red Sox. He, quite frankly, just has the Sox number right now. But the overwhelming point is just how great now is one of your high leverage relievers, if you will. Jaron Duran had finally settled into that leadoff spot, which the Red Sox had, quite frankly, 
not figured out all season long. I mean, if you look at the numbers, the Red Sox have 13 hits from their leadoff hitters this season. Duran has five of them. He brings a totally different dimension to this team. So, And also the other thing is Chris Sale's not vaccinated. So when Chris Sale comes back and he's healthy, you don't want to go to Toronto either because then Chris Sale, one of your starting pitchers, if you will, won't be part of the equation either. So it is something just to monitor throughout the season. And like I've said over and over again, I don't like to get into vaccine talk and blame Tanner Houck or blame Jaron Duran or blame Chris Sale, but it's just a reality that we're going to have to deal with all season long as it pertains to this team because if you do get into a postseason series against this team, that's going to matter. And it didn't show up tonight, but it could show up tomorrow if all of a sudden in the ninth inning, you're like, well, Tanner Houck's not here. We already used Schreiber. We already used Strom. Who are we going to, right? So that conversation could present itself in tomorrow night's game. And if you blow that game there, then I hope it doesn't happen for this reason because then people are going to start to blame Tanner Houck again. But one thing I want to get off the top is the Connor Seabold situation tonight. This is really, and I actually tweeted this out if you follow me on Twitter, at it's Brian Barrett. This is one of the weirdest starts I've seen from a starting pitcher, quite frankly, from a statistical perspective in some time. (laughs) Because if you look at the numbers on his start tonight, The raw numbers are not pretty whatsoever, right? I mean, we could all acknowledge that. The guy gave up three home runs. He gave up seven runs. It was not a good start for Connor Seabold. We would all acknowledge that. But just look at it from this perspective. And this is just a bizarre thing. Now, the results are the results. But Connor Seabold in this game tonight, 46 swings from Toronto. They whiffed on 21 of them. So if you do the math on that, that's a 45.7% whiff rate. So that means at the pitches they were swinging at, they whiffed on nearly 46% of them, 45.7%. Corbin Burns leads all qualified starters in baseball this year with a 38% whiff rate. Connor Seaball was at 45.7% tonight. How do you explain that based on the results of the game where they scored seven runs and they hit the ball out of the park three times? Well, here's the other thing. 17 balls in play from Connor Seabold tonight. Eight of them were hard hit. That's a 47.1% hard hit rate. There's only one qualified starter in the sport that has a hard hit rate north of 47%. And that's Jose Barrios, who is a starting pitcher for the Blue Jays, who they signed to that contract extension, who quite frankly sucks. That guy is atrocious. He was good last year. Absolutely horrific this year. But the point being, he was hit as hard as any starting pitcher has been hit this year in Major League Baseball. And he was missing as many bats or missing more bats than the best starting pitcher in that statistical category, the reigning defending NL Cy Young winner in Corbin Burns. How do you explain an outing like that? It's absolutely bizarre. Now, here's the thing that I'll say about Seabolt is uh, the stuff this year, The stuff that we saw tonight was better than the stuff we saw a season ago when he came up against Chicago. And like I said, it's one outing last year against Chicago, just like tonight is one outing against the Toronto Blue Jays, who, despite the fact that the Blue Jays up until this particular point in time are not the wagon that some people expected them to be at the beginning of the season, that is still one of the legitimate best lineups in the sport. When you're talking about the Springers of the world, the Vladimir Guerrero Juniors of the world, the Boba Shets of the world, Alejandro Kirk has been outstanding for them. 
You still have to deal with a guy like Teoscar Hernandez. So you get the point. That is a loaded lineup up and down, and it's a tough lineup to maneuver and manipulate your way through if you're Connor Seabold, right? So that's a tough debut of the season to begin with that you're going up against these guys. But the stuff looks better, but it's not overpowering, right? This isn't like Chris Sale. This isn't like Nick Pavetta, who his stuff can be overwhelming. Evaldi's stuff can be overwhelming at times. You saw it. The fastball, he's sitting 92, 93 miles an hour. And when he fatigued in this game, the fastball that he threw up in the zone was 89 miles an hour. That thing's going to get out of the ballpark awfully quick against this Toronto team. I mean, you can't be throwing balls up in the strike zone to even Matt Chapman, who's not a great offensive player, but you can't throw an 89-mile-an-hour fastball to a big leaguer like Matt Chapman. But my overwhelming point is this. When the stuff isn't as great as some of these other guys I mentioned, you have got to be incredibly good with your command. And what we saw tonight, that's why I referenced the hard hit rate. When he was missing, he was getting punished for it. So if you just go to that third inning... This is basically the game where it sort of gets out of control for him. Bottom of the third inning, he gets Biggio to ground out in a four-seamer, but then in comes Springer, right? One of the best leadoff men in the entire sport. We know what he does in terms of his postseason pedigree with the Houston Astros, but he gets a bad slider that he's looking for. He's looking for a slider. He's going up there looking for a slider, and he gets it from Seaball, but the more important part of this is where he missed It's a bad slider, middle-middle. You cannot miss like that, especially when your stuff's not overpowering. Tanner Houck can miss his spots with his slider because the thing's got so much horizontal break on it that guys are going to whiff on it anyway. He can miss in the zone, and guys will miss. Chris Sale can miss with his slider in the zone, and guys will miss. Connor Seabold does not have that luxury because the stuff isn't nearly as good. And we saw what happens. Springer takes him deep. Okay, next batter is Bo Bichette. He singles on a four-seamer that is middle-middle. That thing is right in the middle of the plate. You cannot miss like that. And Bo Bichette hits at 106.6 miles per hour off the bat. Then we come to Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who goes deep. And unfortunately, now he has one more home run than Rafael Devers. That was his 18th of the season. But he hammers a slider that's in the middle portion of the plate, and it's down a little bit. That is the sweet spot for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He absolutely crushes balls that are down in the zone. So that's middle down in the zone, which allows him to go down there, get his barrel on it, and essentially golf it out of the ballpark. And right then and there, it's 4 nothing because he made four bad pitches, or excuse me, three bad pitches. The bad slider to Springer, the bad four-seamer to Bichette, and the bad slider in the middle of the plate to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Now, then he hits Kirk, and that's when the command really went south for him. Hernandez then singled on a changeup middle-middle, and then he gets Guriel to strike out on a four-seamer up in the zone. He did have seven strikeouts. I mean, a reference all the missed bats. So it's when he had his stuff and he, when he was controlling it, he was okay. But the problem is when you aren't, one of the best guys coming up in terms of the overall stuff. Like, eventually, when we see Brian Bayo, Bayo's stuff is filthy. He can miss in the zone. He can miss all over the place, and you're still not going to hit him. But a guy like Josh Winkowski, right, this is a perfect example of it. Josh Winkowski's stuff is not overpowering. He essentially has, like, one real pitch that get guys to whiff on, get swings and misses, and that's his slider. 
Other than that, what he does, and this is a credit to Josh Winkowski, he's unbelievable at inducing ground balls. His ground ball rate was near 70% the other night. I mean, that's elite. The best guy in the sport is Framber Valdez, who's just north of 67%. The launch angle the other day for Winkowski was in the negative territory. So guys are just swinging down at his balls. Only one pitcher in the sport is in the negative territory as it pertains to launch angle, and that's Framber Valdez. So that's what Winkowski does. Winkowski pitches to contact. He knows how to pitch to contact, and he gets a ton of ground balls because of where he's putting the ball in the strike zone. So Winkowski has sort of mastered that, right? I can use my fastball to get guys to hit balls on the ground. If I need a swinging miss, I can go to my slider. Winkowski, that's why he looks a lot better at this level than a guy like Connor Seabold because Connor Seabold doesn't have the hit and miss stuff at a very high, well, tonight he did, I mean, I referenced the swing and miss stuff. But my point being is, when Winkowski is throwing the ball in the zone, he's not missing his spots. He's putting the ball where it needs to be to induce ground balls. He knows what his plan is, and he can execute it. That's what I love about watching him pitch. With Connor Seabold tonight, yeah, he's he has improved as it pertains to his stuff. And part of the issue last year is we all know he was dealing with an elbow injury last year when he came back and he made that start against Chicago. But the problem for him is when he misses in the zone, he's getting clobbered. When Kuski doesn't miss that off, and I'm not saying he's a perfect pitcher. I mean, don't go crazy here. But the guy has a plan. He executes his plan. With Connor Seabold, we missed that tonight. Bottom of the fifth inning, Kirk doubles on a changeup that was down. Now, I can't really criticize him for that one. That was not that bad of a pitch. Alejandro Kirk's having an outstanding season. He's been the best offensive catcher in the American League. He's going to start in the All-Star game and all that. So that was not a bad pitch. But then Hernandez singles on a four-seamer that's in a bad spot. And then, of course, I mentioned earlier the Chapman home run. And that made it a 7 to nothing game. That's a four-seamer that's up in the zone at 89 miles an hour. And look, you want your fastball to be up in the zone like that. But the problem is, at 89, that's got to be out of the zone. Because the problem is that thing is sitting at the top of the strike zone at 89 miles an hour. That's a BP fastball. You cannot be throwing that to a major league hitter. So all in all, Connor Seabold's outing was not good, despite the fact that he missed a lot of bats, which is impressive, which tells you when he does locate his pitches, he can induce a lot of swings and misses. But the problem was, in this game in particular, he missed his spots too often. He left balls over the middle portion of the plate. He left balls in a sweet spot to a guy like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And a lineup like the Toronto Blue Jays, they are going to make you pay. They are. Now, I'm not saying that Connor Seabold is never going to be a good major league pitcher. I wouldn't say that after two outings at the big league level, especially considering one of them last year was when the guy was still making his way back from an injury. But one of the conclusions I drew from tonight's game is despite the fact that the stuff is a little bit better, it's never going to be elite-level stuff. And not that I had projected that from watching Connor Seabold in the past. Not that I projected his stuff to be elite. But he's got to be really fine with his location and his command to be effective at the major league level. And we saw him do that at times tonight. And we saw him have success doing that. But the problem is, too often in this game, he was missing his spots, which led to absolute damage against a team like Toronto. And, of course, he learned his lesson the hard way tonight. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. So a lot more to get into. I do want to get into coming up next, though, 
The reason you shouldn't be that worried about the bad outing for Connor Seabold, also on the table, as always on the show, what do you want to see High and Bloom do as we get closer to the trading deadline? The number is 617-779-7937. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight here in EI. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, we're with you till midnight. We haven't experienced this in a while. The Red Sox lost a game. Seven-game winning streak comes to an end. They lose to Toronto. The bad news is we are getting used to this. The Red Sox are not winning games in the American League. East. 617-779-7937, the number, if you want to weigh in on Connor Seabold's outing or what you made of this loss tonight and going forward with this team. And as always, on the table, what should Bloom be doing at the trading deadline? 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Wally. He's in Fall River tonight. Wally! You're going to have to improve on that. I mean, the asset test is coming up. We're playing a boatload of games in our division, a ton of them. So the asset test, is the real asset test, is coming up now. We built up a lot of momentum coming into the series, and then you lose your spark plug because of the vaccine mandates, and uh, you lose your closer. I mean, what about these other teams when they come in Toronto? I mean, that's like, you know, for instance, if the, you know, if the Yankees lose Judge and one of their relief pitchers. But I was wondering who makes a who made a decision on this in the off season. Well, that, Wally, you know, yeah, definitely... Wally, Wally. So Aaron Judge ended up getting vaccinated. It was a story before the season. I don't know if it was Aaron Boone that convinced him, but he did end up getting vaccinated. So that's not going to be a problem for the Yankees. What do you mean by who makes the decision? Yeah, who, I mean that. Well, Toronto does have an advantage. You have to admit that. I mean, uh, you got 23 other teams. We don't know who's vaccinated and who's not. But it, it does give Toronto, like I said, we're losing two of our best spot, spot plugs right now. But, yeah, uh, it's unfortunate, Wally. It is. It's unfortunate. Yeah, I, and, and, I, you and, know, it, it, it's a very uh, hard-to-swallow situation, you know? Yeah, and unless, I mean, uh, unless something changes there, Wally, with the Canadian government, it looks like this is going to be the reality for the rest of the season. Now, I think it's stupid that they're still using the mandate there, but I mean that's the reality of what the rules are there. So unfortunately, you're not going to have a couple of your guys when you go there. Right. Well, uh, like I said, it's too bad because uh, you don't know what's going to happen if Toronto goes deep in the goes deep in the playoff and the Red Sox play them. Yeah, but, uh, it's going to be a major uh, story, Wally. It's going to be a major story. As far as if you, I'm sure you've noticed Hein Bloom in the stands in a lot of these games. I mean, you're getting Paxton Sale and Navaldi, but, you know, the, these uh, rehab assignments take a while. I mean, they seem to coddle these pitches. You can only throw 15 pitches, then you got to go up to 40, then you go up to 60. I mean, these guys ain't going to give you a lot of endings when they come back. I mean, yeah, you're going to have to baby these guys. Well, they got to build so he... him up, Wally. Like, they don't want Chris Sale to come back until he's able to throw five innings. So they got to build him up. He's going to pitch in Portland this week, and we could be a week and a half, two weeks away from actually seeing Chris Sale on a big league mound. Yeah, right. But uh, who? I think the two most likely to go when they come back, I mean, if he, 
maybe he can make a deal for a lead, for a lead pitcher before the deadline. But uh, Robles and Saramora, I, I don't see any room for them, any future with the team, uh, you know, for them with the with this team. Well, yeah, well, I mean, you, bring, you bring up a good point, and I appreciate the phone call, my friend. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. So that's my whole thing about why we shouldn't overreact to Connor Siebold's bad outing. He's not going to be a major factor on the 2022 Red Sox. Like, hopefully, beyond this, in 2023 and 2024, he can show you that it's a rotation guy. But if you look at where the Red Sox are at right now from a pitching perspective, and you look at their starters going forward. Now, Garrett Whitlock through today, and we'll see if he can come up maybe as early as next week as some of the projections out there in terms of how he reacts to Alex Cora always says it's the day after that's the most important. But just think about this for a second here. These are the possible starters for the Red Sox by the end of the season. Nate Evaldi coming back. You already have Nick Pavetta. He goes Wednesday. Michael Walker goes tomorrow. Chris Sales making his way back. Josh Winkowski has been really good for this team. They've won the last three games he's pitched in. And he was really good against Cleveland the other night. He gave up the two runs, but that was it. James Paxton making his way back. And Rich Hill. So... That is a lot of guys that you could use in your rotation. Okay, then from a reliever's perspective, you have Whitlock, you have Tanner Houck, except if you play in Canada. You have John Schreiber, who's been outstanding, who has been their best reliever. You have Josh Taylor coming back. That's one that sort of flies under the radar with all these other injuries going on right now. Avaldi and Whitlock and Sale and Paxton. We forget about Taylor. Taylor was one of the best left-on-left guys in the entire sport last year, he was that good in terms of his ability to get out lefties. And that's what the Red Sox, quite frankly, they don't have right now is that nasty lefty out of the bullpen that can just dominate lefties. Like, Strom can do it too, but Taylor's more of that specialist, if you will, where he can just completely dominate lefties. And he did it all season long last year, and that was a real strength, this team, having a guy like Taylor. I mean, you look if you look at the numbers last year, Lefties were just 12 of 82 against Taylor. That's 146. That 146 opponent's batting average ranked 29th out of 304 relievers. So that's how dominant Taylor was last year against lefties. So you're going to get him back. Okay, you also have Strom, who we know has been really good for this team as well. That guy's been electric at times. Then you look at, in some role, Bayo's going to be up here. Bayo's been that dominant at the minor league level where, in some role, come October... Bayo's got to factor into the equation. So that's Whitlock, Houck, Schreiber, Taylor, Strom, Bayo in the bullpen. Because I imagine once Sale's back, you're going to have to push Whitlock back into the bullpen. He's better in the bullpen to begin with, but it just makes more sense and it puts things into the proper perspective and you can use Whitlock as a weapon out of the bullpen as well. And then you could add a right-handed arm. That's my number one priority at the trading deadline. Add a right-handed arm, add a Daniel Bard, I don't think David Bednar is going to be in the Red Sox price range. I would do it in a second if you could get him and just don't worry about closure for the next three years. But there's going to be guys out there in terms of the trading deadline to add one righty arm. But then after that, you look at this rotation and you look at this bullpen, you're feeling pretty damn good about it. So it's just a couple of weeks to actually get to that point. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Peter in North Providence. Hey, Peter. Hi, how you doing, Brian? Good. Enjoy your show. Thank you. Uh, listen, uh, I think the viewers tonight are getting sort of a free pass. I was just looking up the stats on Gosman. He was 5-6 and six coming into tonight's game. 
and he had uh, two of those wins were against the Red Sox. I mean, they, they kind of put up a white flag before they even take the field. Uh, I think that's unfair, I, Peter. I, I think they tried. I think he was just absolutely nasty tonight. I mean, you look at it. He's pitched 21 innings against the Red Sox, 27 strikeouts, one earned run. I don't think the Red Sox were not yeah. trying in that game. It's just Gosman's stuff was that nasty. I mean, if you watch that game, his splitter was absolutely filthy tonight. But, Brian, if you look at his stats, the Yankees ripped his face off. He's lost to Detroit. I mean, he, he had, you look at his games that, he, that other, other teams are hitting him. Okay, but this Peter, okay, Peter, time. but hold on a second. Okay, so Nick Pavetta had a bad start to the season, then he dominated some of those teams. Should they say, oh, well, those other teams hit Nick Pavetta and we didn't? It just sort of happens that way. Gosman has the Red Sox numbers. That's just the reality. Yeah, I don't know, uh, Brian. I just get... I, I just think that, you know, they get a pass sometimes on the, uh, I was I'm listening tonight. They were talking about uh, Peter Gannon's had an ad uh, uh, written that they were thinking of trading uh, J.D. Martinez. Um, Peter Gammons wrote that? I, 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 why would they trade J.D.? They're, they're in a race to get to the playoffs. I don't understand why they would do that. Well, they were considering it if they weren't going to be in the, you know, be in it. When the trade-off... Um, well, Peter, they're going to be in it, know, though. They're going to be in it. You think they're going to fall out? Uh, no, I, I don't. But he, at the time, I guess, when he wrote it, they were, you know, so in, you know, just hanging on. And uh, who, I, I, who was talking about this? Will and Joe? No, no, no. It was uh, Tony Maz. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't see them moving on from J.D. Martinez, Peter. That would be a massive issue in the clubhouse if they did that. This team is, they were two wins away from the World Series last year. If they traded away one of their best players at the deadline, there would be a mutiny. Do you do you really consider him one of their best players, though? I mean, Peter, he's in the top five in Major League Baseball in batting average. Yes, I consider him yeah. one of their best players. Their three best players about, are J.D., Devers, and Bogarts. What do you, yes, he's one of their best, but he's one of the best hitters in the sport. Check with runners on base, though. How often does he come up and hit into double plays? He's not clutch. He just isn't. So you would get rid of him, Peter? <laughs> Is no, this... no, no. I, I wouldn't get rid of him, but I think he's overrated. Okay, so if he's not one of the three best players, who, who's in there instead of him? Well, I was hoping they'd have kept the, the, the guys that they got last year. I was hoping they that J.D. would have... Okay, well, he's not on the team. Schwarber's not on the team, and so he can't be in your conversation. So who, to your point, is better than J.D. Martinez besides Devers and Bogarts? I, I can't tell you, Brian. I don't... Right offhand, I don't know who would be available. Or, I, I wouldn't trade him. I wouldn't trade him. Okay. But I still say he's highly overrated. How can a guy be overrated that's hitting 329 with a 400 on base percentage? Peter, he gets on base 40% of the time. Four out of every well, 10 look plate appearances. He's in scoring position, Brian. Look with runners on, on first and second. He I mean, comes up double play. He still has, he does ground into double plays, but he has 32 RBIs on the season. So it's not like he's not driving in runs. I, I guess. I, I guess. Like I said, I enjoy listening to you. So, um, I just wanted to call and see, get some of your thoughts. All right, appreciate the call, Peter. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. His numbers are not great with runners in scoring position, but he's still hitting north of 300 on the season. J.D. Martinez, if they traded J.D. Martinez, 
there would be a mutiny. This team would revolt against Heim Bloom if they got rid of GD Martinez. 617-779-7937, the number. All right, a lot more to get into, including you will hear from the manager, Alex Cora, after a loss tonight, ends their seven-game losing streak. I do want to get into some of the big things that happened over the weekend as well because we saw some real good signs from this team, and one of them carried over to tonight. I'll tell you what that is in just a little bit here on EI. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 